We look at the Word of God together this morning, Exodus chapter 4, beginning with verse 18. Exodus chapter 4, beginning with verse 18. This is after Moses' conversation uh, with God. He says in chapter 4, verse 18, he says, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that what you do before Pharaoh, all the miracles that I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn, and I say to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words that the Lord would had spoken with him and sent him to speak, and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, affliction they bowed their heads and they worshiped. Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 4 this morning. Exodus chapter 4, uh, several things for us to notice there, uh, but before we dig in too deep there, I want to talk about one of my favorite things on my phone. It's Google Maps. You ever use Google Maps? Uh, does it ever give you, I don't know how many arguments and how many marriages Google Maps have changed. We don't have to get out of the car and ask for directions anymore. We just go to our phone. It's fantastic. I love Google Maps because it tells me how long it's going to take to get someplace. I love Google Maps because it tells me whether it's going to be worth the amount of time that it's going to go to that place. I love Google Maps because it tells me that there might be a better way to get to that place. But every once in a while... I'll get this message on Google Maps. Can't find a way there, try again. Uh, most of the time it's because I've picked some strange place in the world to drop a pin and try to figure out how to get there. But every once in a while it says, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. At least not the way that you think that it's going to happen. You can't drive to that location. You can't get there from where you are today. I, I kind of wonder if it wouldn't be helpful if there was an, um, an app that, that kind of would do the same thing for our life. 
You kind of laid out your goals. You kind of laid out where you wanted to get to in life. And it would tell you, this is how far away that is from happening. This is the distance that you've got to travel to get here. Here are some difficulties that you're going to face. Here's a better way on how to get there. And maybe every once in a while it would say to you, you know what? <laughs> you can't get there from here. Uh, it, it's not possible. That's not going to work out for you. Make another plan. It, it would be nice if we, it was like, you know, just Google life maps that, that would give you that. I kind of wonder, not only in terms of life, in terms of our goals and things that we, 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 we want to see in our life, but, but spiritually. What if, what if there was an app that would tell you where you were spiritually and compared it to where you wanted to get to spiritually and, and how you could travel and what the distance was going to be and how long it was going to take because there are some things in our lives that we know we're supposed to be. There are some things in our life that we want to get to and yet we know we're not there. And one of the questions that comes to our mind often is, I don't even know if I can get there from here. I don't know if it's possible. It feels like it might take too much time. It seems like there's too many obstacles. There's too many things in the way. I don't know whether I can get there or not. Let's think about our boy Moses. The last that we heard from him was that God had called him to do this task that was mind-blowingly large for Moses. Uh, Moses asked for all kinds of signs and abilities. How will I know that I'm going to be able to do it? And God's biggest answer that he says is, when you're done, you'll know. Moses would like to punch in a little bit of apps and say, how long is this going to take? What kind of direction? Is there a better way? Can I catch a ride with somebody else? What we see here in this last part of Exodus chapter 4 is, is it's, a, it's an in-between chapter of Moses' life. We've got the big stuff that happened in chapter 3 and in the front half of chapter 4, and we've got big stuff that's going to happen, happen later. And as you take a look and you read through Exodus, the whole book of Exodus, there's this just little transition passage where he gets from the Midian wilderness and he gets back to Egypt. It's just a small little piece, but I will tell you, it is the in-between piece. It is the transition piece. It is the travel piece. It is the piece that begins the journey from here to there, and you cannot get to where you need to go until you make some of these transition pieces. I think one of the things that we struggle with in all of life, and maybe spiritually as well, is that we have a picture of big places that we want to get to, big things we want to do, big landmark milestone moments in our life. And part of what we want to do is that we want to jump from milestone to milestone to milestone without understanding that between the milestones there are these in-between seasons. And you can't get from the milestone to the milestone without having to travel through some of the in-between moments. So between the moment that Moses meets with God on the mountain and the next time that he meets with God in the mountain, there's a lot of in-between stuff that needs to happen. There's an awful lot of stuff that's got to go even before he gets back to Egypt. How do you get there from here? Well, as we look at this passage of Scripture, obviously there's some things that I want you to see. 
one of the things that I want you to see is that sometimes moving forward means backing up. Sometimes moving forward means backing up. Here is the core thing that Moses has heard from God. I have a future for you. I've got a plan for you. I have not forgotten about you. Moses is like, this is good news. I like this. God has a future for my life. And the first thing that God tells him is, go back to Egypt. Go back to your past. Go back to the place that you were running from. Go back there. I remember Moses has been a shepherd. Midian is on the far side of the Sinai. He has spent time as a shepherd wandering the Sinai, wandering Midian. And as he wanders that land, again, Moses and I never had lunch, so we didn't talk about this. But I think that there was an imaginary line in the sand where every once in a while Moses would realize he's getting close to Egypt. And he said, well, that's close enough. I, I, I don't need to get any closer. To, I, I don't need to go back there. People are trying to kill me back there. I've got bad memories back there. I've been rejected by everybody that I know back there. I, I don't need to go back there. So he's got all of this land. He wanders this way and that way. But every once in a while, I can just kind of feel in his heart that he would bounce just, nope. I don't care how many sheep cross the line. That's too close. I'm not going back there. And now the word of God comes to Moses. You've got to go all the way back. You see, part of the problem is, is that Moses was a long way from where he was supposed to be. He was a long way from where he was supposed to be. And that's not just geography. Moses is a long way from where he's supposed to be, and that's not just a point on the map. I kind of wonder about your life this morning, just as we kind of transition from Moses to, to, to me and Moses to you. Man, how far off are we from where we're supposed to be right now? If God has got a point says, this is where I want your life right now, how far off the path are we? For Moses, it meant backing up. Backing up every single step that he had taken since he ran away from Egypt. It meant going back to the beginning for some things for Moses. It meant leaving behind the new life that he had built. We use a word, it's a biblical word in church sometimes. It's called repent. It means turning around and going the other direction. I think that there were probably some things in Moses' life that he had to repent of. We don't know all of those details, but Moses had killed a man and ran away. There's some things in his heart that he's got to repent of. And for Moses, he has to physically express that repentance by moving back, returning step by step from Midian, step by step, going back to Egypt. How far off are you from where you're supposed to be today? You see, 
There are some things in our life that we have to repent of, humbly regret and change in our life. But there are some things in our life that we must repent of, but we're unable to restore. What I mean by that is there are some things that we messed up, things that we broke, some things that we sinned over, some damage that we did. And we have to come before God and we have to repent of that and say, God, I, I, I wish that I hadn't, I did that, I wish that I hadn't done that and I'm going to rearrange my life so that I do everything I can so that I don't do that again. That's repentance. And sometimes we have to repent and we try to put the pieces back together and the pieces, you can't even find the pieces. So we repent even though we can't restore. But there are other things that we repent and we got to fix. There, there, there are other things that those pieces are still right there in front of us. We can fix and restore and, and, and make right again. I always kind of chuckle, at least I did for a long time. Every time you get on a plane, you, you got to go to the right gate and you got to go through and they check your ticket and all that and you sit down and you pick out which seat you're going to sit in and stuff like, like that and then just as they're getting ready to leave they tell you, oh by the way, this is the flight that's going to Dallas. Just in case anyone's on this plane that thinks they're going to Nashville. This is where this plane is going. Now I've never been on the wrong plane. But I got to think if you're on the wrong plane, you got to get off that plane. Now, I know this. I've never been on the wrong plane. But when Susan and I went to England this year, we got on the wrong train recreationally. I mean, we got on the wrong train at least twice a day. Uh, sometimes we misunderstood which train it was supposed to be. Sometimes we misread the thing. Sometimes we were impatient and we didn't wait for the right train. Sometimes somebody who thought that they knew what they were doing should have been an expert told us that this was the train and it wasn't the right train. And sometimes we got off the wrong train at the station. Sometimes we got off the wrong train at the next station. Sometimes we got to see other parts of the country that we never intended to see. But friends, if you're on the wrong train, if you're in the wrong place, if you're heading in the wrong direction, then what you need to do is back up. Before you can move forward, maybe the first step of moving forward is for you to back up and back up to the last place that you know that you were right. That may mean that there are some relationships in your life that are, that are either unhealthy, out of balance, or out of bounds. Man, you've you got to back up and get out of that. There may be some habits in your life that are unhealthy, out of balance, or out of bounds. You've got to back up out of that. And there may be some addictions that are in your life that are unhealthy, out of balance, and out of bounds. You've got to back out of those things. 
And before you can talk about what's on the horizon, before you can talk about the future, before you can dream about what's next, you've got to back up. And for Moses, that meant he had to go back to Egypt. And again, I, I think there was almost a, a trigger there someplace in that sand where Moses could come up to it Crossing that line was going to be really, really hard and really, really scary. But he could not move forward until he backed up. And I don't know everybody's story. Sometimes I have trouble keeping track of my own story. But I got to believe that there are some folks who are on the wrong side of that line. And what God is calling on your life to do is to back up and get back to where you're supposed to be and to do it today. Sometimes moving forward means backing up. I'll also tell you that there can be some pretty intense moments in the journey. There can be some pretty intense moments in the journey. Now, I love so much of what Moses experiences in this passage of God. One of the things that has to happen for Moses is he knows he's got to go back home, but before he goes back home to Egypt, he's got to go talk to his father-in-law. For one thing, he's got to drop off the sheep. <laughs> he's got to explain, uh, Jethro, you've you, you got to find someone else to watch this flock. Another thing, he's got to explain that he's taking his, his daughter and his grandkids back to Egypt. Jethro, who has taken Moses in, and we're going to see in the book of Exodus that Jethro has a, has a profound part in Moses' life. Moses has got to go back to Jethro, and he's got to say, I, I'm going back, to, going back to Egypt. Now, we don't know all that Moses thinks about this, I love the fact that Jethro says to Moses, go in peace. Jethro blesses Moses in the place where Moses may have had some doubts, had some questions, may have considered it to be an obstacle. Jethro is a person in Moses' life that blesses him. And I want you to think back. Jethro has been such an important part of Moses' life. Remember when Moses helps water the flock and take care of Jethro's daughters and, and, and the girls just say thanks and they go back home and tell Jethro all about it and Jethro's like, well, did you leave him behind? And they're like, well, yeah, we did. Go get him. He needs a place to live. He needs a place to eat and, and, and he needs a life. Jethro has been used by God to build up Moses' life. I want you to know that God plants those kinds of Jethro people in your life that will help protect you, guide you, and bless you. There are some people that have been in your life for a long time that have been there for the purpose of building you up, guiding you, and blessing your life. And you wouldn't be where you are today if it wasn't for some kind of a person like Jethro guiding you building you up, protecting you, and putting a blessing on your life. 
I'm grateful for those kinds of people in my life. And at the same time, I'm challenged. But I want to make sure that I'm being a Jethro who can bless some people in their life. And so that people can look back at their spiritual journey and, and say, when there was time that I needed vision, when I needed encouragement, when I needed hope, when I needed a blessing, when I needed somebody tell me that I was on the right path, that person was there, and I want to be that person. I want this church to be full of those kinds of people that know how to bless. God blesses Moses with Jethro. At the same time, Aaron is on his way. And the family connection from Egypt is being re-engaged. And Aaron's going to represent the fact that Miriam, who looked after him when he was in the basket, is also back there. And Miriam's going to be part of his life in the future. God says, take the staff of God with you. And he says, and remember all of the miracles that I have put in your hand. Man, what a powerful sentence. Remember the miracles that I have put in your hand. And then God says to Moses, and just so you can sleep all right, all of the people who were seeking your life, all the people who wanted to imprison you, all the people who wanted to kill you, all of the people who are out to get you, they're gone. You are safe. Man, the encouragement and the blessing, the, the, the help from Aaron, all the miracles in your hand, all the people who sought to kill you are gone. Amazing, wonderful, fantastic. And then we hit verse 24. Did you, did you notice verse 24? Verse 24 says, at a lodging place. Moses is on his way back to Egypt, doing what he's supposed to do, carrying his wife and his children. At the lodging place on the way, the Lord met him. It's good. Moses has been meeting with God a lot lately. The Lord met him. And sought to put him to death. Anybody want to take over for the rest of the sermon? That's, that's, that, that, that's intense. And that's an intense moment right here. Here's the blessings. And in fact, there's this, this balance between, listen, the people who have sought to kill you are gone. And then God himself meets him on the road and seeks to kill him. Well, what do we do with that? Well, there's a handful of things that I want us to think about. Number one, just because we're safe with man doesn't mean we're safe with God. Just because we're safe with man does not mean we're safe with God. Many of you as parents or as kids read the, uh, the C.S. Lewis uh, Chronicles of Narnia series, and probably one of the most famous quotes out of there is that when, when Lucy sees Aslan the lion for the first time, she, she asks out loud, is, is he safe? And the answer is, no, he's not safe. 
He's a lion. What part of lion don't you understand? He's not safe. But he's good. But he's good. Now, that captures a truth of God's word. We forget the awesomeness of God. We forget the holiness of God. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago about the taking your sandals off because you're on holy ground. Remember those that come close, stop, come close, stop. It's that same tension. God is not safe, but he is good. And in this moment, he says, listen, don't worry about all of the people. You are safe with all of the people. But don't take me for granted. Don't take me for granted. There's a couple of issues here that seems to circle around the act of circumcision. It was the physical sign or the promise that had been given to Abraham that was to be passed down from generation to generation as it was a sign of the promise that these were God's people. And it seems as though when Moses had his firstborn son a couple of chapters ago, that he had not circumcised his son. Now, he didn't live with the Israelites anymore. He wasn't part of that culture. He had left all of those things behind. Maybe Zipporah's family and Jethro's family didn't understand that. They didn't get that. They didn't approve of that. Moses just said, you know what? I've left everything else behind. I might as well leave that behind too. So now Moses is trying to live with one foot in two worlds. One foot with his heritage of the promise one foot of the days in Midian where he left all of that behind. And God says, whoa, whoa, we can't go forward here with you having one foot in each world. If we're going to do this, you have to be a child of the promise 100%. And you can't just pick and choose where you apply this. I think even more so, Moses was going to be the leader of God's people. And God said to Moses, you cannot lead what you do not embrace yourself. If you're not applying this to your life, then how are you going to lead other people to do it? So we don't know what kind of conversations there were before this. We don't know whether this was just one of those moments that just suddenly got intense, I don't know. But Moses knew better. It's interesting that Zipporah, his wife, is the one that solves the problem. I don't know whether she was the stumbling block where, where, where she had been against it to begin with. I don't know whether it be that Moses is so stammered he doesn't know what to do. But whatever it is, Zipporah takes care of it. And Moses can go on with what he's doing. I'll tell you that God is good. 
And I will tell you that he will give you blessings along the way, and he will get some people in your life that will nudge you. He will give some people in your life that will help you and encourage you. He will give you some people that will come stand alongside of you. But every once in a while, he's going to come to you and say, Stop it now. You cannot go forward until you take care of this issue in your life. And sometimes those moments can be intense. But it may be that God says to us, you can't live with one foot in each world. And if you're going to lead your family, if you're going to lead your workplace, if you're going to lead any place else, you can't lead what you don't embrace in your own life. And so in this transition period, there were some things that Moses had to take care of right away because God cared about it so intensely. Those things may pop up in your life. I, I hope that that doesn't pop up in my life more than once. I don't really need to have that face-to-face -face kind of conversation with God. But more so, I hope that when he does, that I know how to respond. And that I will hear him. And I will fix whatever's broken in my life in that moment. Sometimes it can be intense. And then I want to tell you that every victory counts. Every victory counts. I'll be honest with you, as preparing this message, you know, what, what do you do with the fact that God comes to take Moses' life in this moment? It's a little tricky thing to explain. It, how, how do we deal with that? It, it, it's hard. But I'm also going to tell you that the last verse of the chapter I find equally as difficult. It says that when Moses and Aaron came and met with the people, it says that the people believed. And it says that when they heard that God had heard their affliction, that they worshipped him. Now the reason why that's difficult for me, I know the rest of the story. I've read the rest of Exodus. I know what kind of knucklehead stuff that these people are going to do going forward. And at the end of chapter 4, it sounds like, well, this is going to end great. This is fantastic. They believed. They worshipped. What could go wrong from here? Well, just about everything. Just about everything. And so what that does is that, that puts me at a, at a tension that says, what do I do with the fact that in Exodus chapter 4, they worshipped and they believed, but the whole rest of the book, they're going to mess up. What do I do with that? I think one of the biggest struggles that you and I may have sometimes about new growth in our life spiritually, fixing some things in our life, going backwards when we need to go backwards, having that kind of an intense moment with God, one of the biggest things that we deal with is that we are afraid that I might get it right today and get it wrong tomorrow. And because we are so afraid that I, if, I, if I tell God yes now, 
If I walk away from this habit, if I walk away from this addiction, if I walk away from this relationship, if I walk away from this part of my life that's out of bounds, if I do that today, and then I go back in three days or in three years or in 20 years, it may not be worth it. Because I might mess up later, I'm not going to try today. Anybody ever have that fear? I probably will get this wrong down the road. And it seals us up. What I want you to know is that God tells us at the end of chapter 4 is that the people of God believed you know why he says that the people of God believed? Because they believed. And it counted. It says that they worshipped. You know why it says that they worshipped? Because they worshipped. And it counted. It is possible that they're going to mess up down the road. It is possible that you're going to mess up something down the road. It's possible. But that doesn't mean in this moment your obedience, your belief, your worship doesn't count 100% in this moment. Do not buy into a lie that says because you might mess up later, don't bother today. That's just hogwash. And I will tell you that even though the people of God did mess up a time or two down the road, even in some of the same areas where they did not believe as much as they should, and they did not worship in the way that they should. Their belief in this moment and their worship in this moment is the right response to God. It pleases God, and it builds their life up for the future. Nothing further going forward can happen if it's not built on beginning belief and beginning worship and beginning obedience. So one of the things that I just want you to hear and know, do not let fear of the future keep you from believing and worshiping and obeying in this day. Tomorrow will take care of itself. The best way that you can be equipped for tomorrow is to get today right. And that is to believe, to worship, and obey. So what does this mean for us this morning? Just to go back to the Google Maps thing, if you were to drop a pin as to where your life is today, How far off is it from where it's supposed to be? If you're a believer in Christ, you're, you're always going to be in Christ. But your spirit, your heart, your direction, your momentum, your habits, your relationships, all of those things, if you drop that pin today, where is it compared to where it's supposed to be? If it's not where it's supposed to be, 
What part of life needs to be backed up to get you there? Don't say, I'm going to change every single thing in my life. But I would encourage you to identify the thing that the Spirit of God says, this right here. It might be the biggie. Or it might be something that you haven't even paid attention to that God says, no, this is bigger than you realize. But what is it that God says, this right here is what I need you to change, fix, back up. What part of life is it that needs that attention today? And then what will you do, even in this moment, to believe, to worship, to obey, and to act on it? Could be as simple as making a note in the corner of your Bible, making a note in your bulletin. It may be asking someone to pray with you about someone. It, 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 I don't know what it is, but what can you do in the next 15 minutes that will trigger that change in your life that needs to begin? You can't solve all of it, but boy, you can start on something. You can start on something. Maybe it's write it down. Maybe put something in your phone. Maybe take something off your phone. I don't know. What can you do right now that allows you to believe, to worship, and obey in this moment? Because this moment 